Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into the Believe in the Cowboys podcast, the Believe Entertainment Network, the network for professional podcasters. And as always, we're brought to you by betonline.ag. Football is back. You might not be at the game, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team and player coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. In fact, you can look at next year's Stanley Cup odds and much, much more on betonline.ag. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, you're on Online sportsbook experts, and uh, again, you can look at next year's Stanley Cup odds, which hopefully the stars are up there. I was well invested as a like a hockey observer in the stars winning. They did not. Uh, the Lightning did, and that was kind of a bummer. But we move on to the Cowboys and Seahawks. Paul Catalina, former Cowboys cornerback Orlando Scandrick, alongside as always. And Orlando, my thought, my first thought after watching the Cowboys again, uh, you know, have this close game make some mistakes, uh, you know, kind of this back and forth is this is a talented team, but they're not a good team yet. Good teams won't make the mistakes that put them in the position where they have to get crazy plays like an onside kick or Trayvon Diggs, you know, has to run down DK Metcalf who dogged it on a sure touchdown to stay in games. Yeah, this is, um, this team's very, very, very talented. <clears throat> they're not a good team right now. Um, they don't play good. Offense, defense, and special teams, they don't complement each other well. They, they, they keep getting in these holes, these big, big holes, and making these ridiculous mistakes. You got people running free. You got people just running through the secondary free. Um, they're not able to get Zeke going. This is something that we talked about before the season. What would the identity of the Dallas Cowboys be? And right now, it's just accumulate a lot of meaningless stats and give yourself a chance to say you're in the game at the end yeah good teams don't have to worry about you know wacky stuff happening you know and you know i'm not trying to take away from trayvon Diggs hustling down for dk metcalf but if dk metcalf you know doesn't dog it the cowboys may not have ever been in this game yeah um cowboys were in this game they had some they got some big they're always able to make big plays at any given time and they got some big plays but they weren't ever really in the game, I'll say. Yeah, I mean, it was, they never, they haven't, and that that's the other thing, is that good teams can control a game. You know, I, I watched the, the Chiefs last night against the Ravens. They controlled that game against another good team. Uh, you know, and the, the Seahawks were pretty much in the driver's seat for most of the game. The Cowboys haven't been in the driver's seat in any of these three games yet. Absolutely. Um, they, they put themselves in positions to, to win, they had a lead in the game against Seattle. Um, but just on defense, I'm going to keep going back. They do not look comfortable. 
No, they they really don't. They they don't at all. And and they have you know tons of injuries over there. And so that's not going to get better. I mean, they're not going to get better. Like they're not going to get better. The the reinforcements aren't coming anytime soon. You know, Leighton Vander Esch and Sean Lee and all those guys. That's that's weeks from now. So with what they have now, they have to start playing better. The only bright spot really has been Alden Smith. Yeah, and that's that's oh that's tough. This guy's been off football for five years, and yes, he's a phenomenal. Phenomenal talent. I mean, he's a phenomenal player, but if that's the best guy on your defense, a guy that's been off for five years, you're in trouble. Yeah, they've got a lot of problems. I want to talk about Zeke for a second. He did not get going in the running game. And look, they sold out to to, to stop him, obviously, and they're always going to try. But uh, part of is part of that the offensive line? Is part of it just the identity that they don't have yet on offense or that they're changing to that mm-hmm. Zeke has not gotten going? I mean, I don't know. The, I don't understand. I don't know what the identity is. They lost. They suffered some serious injuries. They don't really have a an effective tight end. They have, you know, Schultz, who's kind of a, you know, a guy that's developing. And then they have Blake Bell, another guy that's like a blocking guy. And they don't have a full a fullback on the roster. And it's they're moving guys all over on the O line. They've got the NFL's best guard playing right tackle. Um, they've got their right tackle out. They've got one of the NFL's, you know best left tackles and a future hall of fame guy that's out. And it's just, what are they on offense? Like if you, I don't know what they are. I know Dak's getting a lot of stats right now, but what are they on offense? Yeah. They, I mean, they, they look like a team who, who has to chuck it around and win and look, like you said, he's getting a lot of stats and he looks fine. Like, I don't, I don't worry about Dak. Like, like that's like the least of my worries with the Cowboys and, and, you know, can they get back in a game, you know, by throwing the ball around? Obviously, they can, they can you know, put up a bunch of yards doing that, but they can't control a game yet. They haven't, they haven't done that, and they used to be able to do that with Zeke. That's how they controlled the game was running the ball with Zeke and enforcing their will there. Now, no Tyron Smith, no Leo Collins, and maybe for a long time with Collins, as uh, Mike McCarthy said yesterday that, you know, it, it's it's he's going to be out for some weeks and he's dealing with a pretty serious situation and hoping to avoid surgery. So hopefully they get back Tyron Smith this week and then that that at least gives them more of their starters along the offensive line. But uh, as much as people want to say like, oh, well, just move Zach Martin to right tackle and put in Biotish and Joe Looney is 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 very capable of playing guard. That's still really hard for for guys to do because that's not. You know, if Zach Martin was the best person to play tackle, he would be playing tackle and not guard, right? Yeah, I just, just the cohesiveness, you know, these guys weren't playing together. You know, you were it was a condensed offseason, pretty much a virtual offseason. Then you get a training camp where you're trying to cram everything into one that was kind of mixed in with a little bit of strength and conditioning of an offseason. And here you are three games in, you're one and two, you know, gratefully you're one and two from a, an onside kick and a blunder by the Falcons. But you, if you really look yourself in the mirror, you could easily be 0-3. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, like I, the, the other side of that is, you know, they are like all these were one score games. Like they're, they're in them, which, which is kind of maybe even more frustrating because if this team was just a little bit better, you know, if they had, if they were at the place they need to be where they could control games, this this could be a three and O team, but they have too many problems to be at a three and O team. Yeah, no, I don't. 
I'm, I'm not trying to be optimistic or pump sunshine. I'm just saying that I think that's frustrating to see. Like you're in these one score games, like you're not getting blown out. I mean, it, it's not ridiculous. Like you clearly there's that's, something there, but it's there's there's no cohesiveness. The score has not been indicative to how they're playing, though. So when you look at the score and say, okay, well they're one score games, you know we're right there. You know that's that's ninety percent of the games in the NFL. Uh, I think the percentages are like. 75 to 85% of games are one score going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. And it's the team that wins the fourth quarter, but these other teams are going to start gelling and playing better together. And, you know, Seattle was playing well. They lost Jamal Adams. Um, in that game, they were missing without Quentin Dunbar and they kind of let the Cowboys back in the game. Atlanta was playing really well. They had a huge lead and they, they relaxed and let the Cowboys back in the game. If you really look at the Rams game, the Rams started off on fire. They had a double-digit lead. They let the Cowboys back in the game. Yeah, they, they've not they've not looked at all like a team that's that's going to contend. Now the the division is as bad as I can ever remember it being right now, Orlando. I mean, it's bad. The Eagles look terrible. The Giants were playing the 49ers without anybody on offense that you would consider a number one player and lost 36 to 9. And the Redskins, I'm sorry, the Washington football team they look about what you think. Yeah, it's the division is bad, but um, what's your goal? Your, is your end goal here just to make it a wild card game and go home? No, I mean, the, the goal is and what if, they, if they did that, they didn't have to change the coach. That's what he was doing most of the time. Yeah, this 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 looks the same. Yeah, looks exactly the I, same. This doesn't look any different than Jason Garrett to me. And with my eyes, the offense looks exactly the same except for more pass heavy. Um, the special teams looks like the end of last year when they acquired the different kicker when he was making his kicks. And the defense looks terrible. Yeah. And, and when you really want to go back and look at it is someone made a decision there two years ago to release one of the NFL's most accurate kickers based off of they believed he was done when he was actually hurt. And now when you go back and you look at Dan, he's kicking well again. Yeah, that that was that to me is maybe one of the most befuddling decisions of of Jerry Jones's tenure as owner. Like because usually I mean, again, he doesn't I mean, they don't let go of guys just like that. I mean, yeah, I just I just can't blame Jerry because no, I know, you know but he's, he's trying to do the best he can. He's running a team. He's the he's the owner. He's trying to control the personnel. He's used, he's going off of all the information that's given to him. And, you know, that was just more of the information that was given to him than something that he wanted to do individually. Oh, I, I, yeah. Look, I, I, I think Jerry Jones, if, if there was a way that he could have everyone who ever played for him retire as a cowboy and there'd be no consequences to that, he would totally do it. I mean, that's the vibe. I may be like overarching that, but he's a guy who really does want everybody to stay forever. It seems to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I mean, you, you played for the man, you know, you were in the locker room. Like he gets, he gets such a bum rap from people who don't understand him because he's got this, he's got two personas or maybe one that people just don't see all the way around, but I, and I know he's bombastic and he's got an ego and all that stuff, but he's also one of the most successful businessmen in America, in the world. Like, absolutely, the, I would have an ego, you know, but I know he, I know from what I see from 
observing the team and covering the team for as long as I have is that he does right by his players most of the time. I mean, that's absolutely. And that's what you want. If you're a player is an owner who who cares about you. Yeah. But at the same time, he also has to act in the best interest of the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes that, and sometimes, and look, sometimes you, you, you're operating with faulty information like Dan Bailey. And that certainly, that certainly hurt them. You know, Dan Bailey wouldn't go into that. I'm under contract for another couple of years. I mean, it wasn't Absolutely. like he was going anywhere. So uh, I want your opinion on this, uh, on Tristan Hill. There have been, there's been a lot of talk. I mean, Pete Carroll yesterday was on 710 ESPN in Seattle and saying he didn't like the tackle on Chris Carson that fortunately for Chris Carson winds up just being a, a knee sprain. But, uh, but he thought that, was, and then of course he had the late hit that that was just a stupid play that, that gave Seattle a chance to, you know, get a two point conversion that the Cowboys had stopped. But, but did do you feel that the hit he had on Chris Carson was dirty um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I read some article where McCarthy says he was just trying to wrap and roll. The guy was down. Yeah. So what, what was he wrapping and rolling? Yeah. He had already tackled him. The guy was down. He was still twisting his knee as they were both on the ground. And it kind of goes back to what was Tristan Hill didn't play last year. Not because uh, he, he's not a capable football player. He didn't play a lot last year because he's not he was not mature enough to do all the things you need to do to be active every week. You know, he he showed well for him, he started out, he showed up to camp and failed the conditioning test. Day one. Yeah, I don't like I said, I haven't besides outside of the rap and roll, what play has he made? Yeah, exactly. You know, and so what impact play has he made? No. And is he is he he's <laughs> And that's their – is that their weakest position on defense right now is up the middle at defensive tackle? They can't stop anybody. Yeah. They can't defend anything. Um, I've heard so much rave reviews about Trayvon Diggs, and he may be a great player, but for the last two weeks, the only thing I watch on TV is people behind him. Yeah, well, I mean, he there. Yeah, it's him or to everybody. I mean, everybody's – you know, Russell Wilson, I was surprised they didn't throw it deep more when they had uh, a lead. Just because it, it looked like it was working. Yeah, teams just naturally relax and just yeah. go into the schematic sides of things and trying to shorten the game. But if you go back to the Atlanta game, he gets a pass interference or he gets a holding penalty on Julio. Then second half, Julio drops a ball where he's behind him in the end zone. And then when you even look at the Seattle game, DK's behind him. Those deep balls are going to continue to come. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. DK DK had him beaten badly, if not for DK's own mess up. You know that that play is not. Well, look at the hustle of Trayvon Diggs. It's Trayvon Diggs got burnt. Yeah, I, I don't. I, can't, I haven't been able to actually watch the all twenty two version, but mm. people are getting behind the kid a lot. Does this mean? Do you think that means they need to change up what their coverages are? I just don't know how ready he is. Yeah, you know putting someone in and asking them to just go and play left corner, which is the strong side from 90% of these quarterbacks, all of these right-hand quarterbacks. And, you know, I think they're trying to talk themselves into thinking that the guy is the next best thing. Yeah. Well, and, and look right now, they don't, they wouldn't have much of a choice anyway, given the injuries that they, you know, Cheetos out and Anthony Brown's out and, and all that. But yeah, I think they were, I think they were going with him anyways. Though. Yeah. I think he won the job coming out of camp. I don't know what that says about the other guys, but he did win the job coming out of camp. Yeah. So, but yeah, and he is, he's, he's had moments 
but people sometimes extrapolate that as to he's already the defensive rookie of the year, but he's he's I not. Mean, I mean, he's, he's got to make plays. Yeah. You know, when they're throwing the ball at you five, six, seven times a game, you're gonna naturally make a play. He's got ability, or if he didn't have ability, he wouldn't be there. But I just don't know if he's ready. Yeah, and no, oh, I mean, it, look, uh, I would, you know, I, I'm curious to see once you look, especially at the first month or, or so of the season around the league at at rookies who are who have been forced to, you know, kind of thrust into starting roles or expected to start, you know, which ones, you know, were were kind of ready to go in spite of the weird because usually you'd have you know this rookie mini camp and you'd have all these other things that you'd do. And you'd be much more ready, you know, for on-field action. But this, you know, no preseason, none of that stuff that was all there. So for rookies in particular, you know, we've talked about it before. There, there's a learning curve that that's even bigger this season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, look, they, like C.D. Lamb looks like he's he's pretty well adjusted to it. But like, I would think that he's very much in the minority of rookies around the league that just kind of fit right in where they go and and. And, and, and that, that that might just be the things they ask him to do. He does well. There could be other things he's not doing well that we just don't but see actually, because it's, you know. They're not asking CeeDee Lamb to go and be the number one receiver. No. And go beat the number one DB every play. Yeah, no, they're asking him to, I mean, they're, they're moving around the field and he's the third receiver. Yeah, yeah so it's just, it's a, it'll be a little different if they're asking Trayvon Diggs just to come in on the sub packages, you know, and just be in addition to an already dominant or explosive defense. Our friend C.D. Lambs, they asked the C.D. Lambs to come in and just be a piece to an already explosive offense. They're asking Diggs to come in and, you know, be the guy, you know, stand up and win on a defense that's struggling. Yeah. It's, it's, I, and we, I talked to, we talked to this on, on, on the Friday show, but that, you know, if it's at the end of the game and you've got to you ask the Cowboys defense to make a stop and they had an opportunity, look, you make a stop at the end of the game and don't let the Seahawks score, you win the game. They can't do that right now. Like, you know, if, if you had to say, like, you guys got to make this one stop at the end of the game, they cannot do that right now. Yeah, they're, they're I don't, I don't see, I don't even understand, I don't understand it. Um, to Marcus Lawrence was one of the most dominant defensive ends in the NFL for previous few years. And now he's making a play here and there, a flash play here and there. Why, why would they, here's the, the other thing. When you have a guy like that's the cornerstone, he's the cornerstone of your defense. And I know that, you know, you've got some good linebackers as well, but Demarcus Lawrence is the best player on the defense going in. And so when you make a hire like Mike Nolan, that's going to change, like why would you change what Demarcus Lawrence has done and made him successful? Like that's, that's, that's really started to even bother me more about, about, I'm not trying to knock Mike Nolan. He's got, you know, a history in this league and he's been a coach for a long time. It's just that why would you bring in a scheme to the guy that you just signed to a major contract as the cornerstone of your defense for the next several years? Wouldn't you want to build around like, what does this guy do well? And then they did it with, they did it when they had DeMarcus where in his prime. Yeah. They switched from a three, four to a four, three. Yeah. (laughs) I, I was surprised that McCarthy won. I know, I know he ran the three, four in green Bay and Dom capers was his defensive coordinator for all that time. And, and all that. But I mean, do, do you have to be so adherent to your scheme that you don't just go, well, I'm going to bring in a four, three guy who, 
who, who, who sees eye to eye with me, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is NFL. This is where it comes down to the NFL being this buddy, buddy system. I'm going to hire my buddy instead of what's best for the team. Instead of looking at the personnel and saying, what's best, what do we have personnel wise? Because not only did you switch, you didn't even draft any pass rushers that can play in a three, four. No, I mean, Bradley and I, maybe, but we'll see. I mean, he didn't, you know, but again, that's a, that's your fifth round pick. You weren't expecting him to contribute, especially with the guys you already had in the roster. You drafted Bradley and I to come in and, and play, you know, in spot duty because you already had, you know, your defensive ends. You're already paying guys to be your starting defensive ends. And then you brought in another guy, Everson Griffin, who is a four, three guy. I mean, you, you brought in Alden Smith, a guy who, you know, you hoped that you would get everything you got, but you just didn't know. Um, so here you have an Alden Smith and then you signed Everson Griffin, not even knowing you were going to get him when you were switching to the scheme. So what, what was really your plan? Like what I would just like to know what they really had envisioned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, 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 it started to, to kind of irk me a little bit and like, I'm, you know, what do you, why, why mess with any of this? Like why, I mean, why not? You have the personnel already. If you're not going to get rid of, I mean, it's not like they made wholesale personnel changes, you know, like they were like, okay, well, we're going to, I mean, they brought in Gerald McCoy, who was a four, three defensive tackle. You know, he wasn't a three, four guy. So but at least he, at least he played in a three, four the year yeah. before. Yeah, that's true. At least you had, at least you had tape of seeing him play in a three, four. Yeah. You don't have besides, tape of half to like besides Alden Smith, Don Terry Poe, Gerald McCoy, who else did you have tape of even planning the three, four, maybe Tyron Crawford and earlier in his career. But to me, this, you, you fired a guy, a Rob Ryan, who you thought was two multiple, who was a three, four. And you thought it was not simple enough and it was going to be too hard if people got injured to plug and play people. So you wanted to go to a more simplistic defensive defensive scheme. So you hired, you bring in Kiffin, you know, that doesn't work out because he's a little bit older then you move towards Rob Marinelli and then Eberflus turns into a great coach who's a coaching his butt off with the Colts. Um, he leaves. Then you bring in the orchestrator of the Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom. Your defense becomes a top five defense. For whatever reason, that doesn't work out. And then here we are. Yeah. Yep. Here we are. That's the that's the best I way. Just, that's. I would like to know what what are their defensive rankings. Mm. Let's let's just take a peek here. I, I know I think they're the I think they're the bottom in in a couple categories for sure. And that's not that's not great. I mean that's that's the, that's the you know going in when you're you know everybody expected. All right, let's see. They're the number one offense in the league in yards. In total defense, they are 25th. Awful. Yeah. I don't understand it, Paul. I mean, when are you going to look at, when are you going to just be honest with yourself? Yeah, the the only teams, the, the Seahawks are actually below them, which... Um, the Seahawks and Falcons are the bottom two. 
The Titans, Vikings, Lions, and Raiders are behind them. Yeah, but the thing about the Seahawks being the bottom defense is they're getting out to huge leads. Mm-hmm. So since they're getting out to huge leads, they're naturally playing looser on defense. But when you're 0-3 and you're in the bottom half of defense, but you got the top offense, what does that tell you? Yeah. They're also, uh, when you give up in points per game, the only two teams below them are the Vikings and the Falcons. The Jets have given up less points by a point, but still. Yeah. So. It's, it's odd. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how, if you don't turn this thing around, I don't know how you don't, how do you not make adjustments? You're always supposedly trying to get better. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to make some big ones and in a hurry. Uh, because look, then the Browns, I know, aren't that, you know, they aren't that. You know, fantastic. They're two and one though, but they've got weapons. I mean, they Nick Chubb can run the ball right at you. Kareem Huntsman, the both the running backs have been have been very good. Uh, they've got wide receivers that that can beat you. They, you know, uh, they're gonna they're gonna ground and pound on you uh, right now, and and the Cowboys can't stop that. So it's not a great matchup. Nobody's a great matchup for them on defense, but this one it's gonna be tough for them. I I think with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt running right at them. And it's you're gonna face another good defensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Miles My, Garrett. They, You've got Miles Garrett, you've got Olivier Vernon, mm-hmm. you got Sheldon Richardson. You're facing another good defensive line. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Well, we'll talk about that on Friday on our next episode of the Believe in the Cowboys podcast when we preview the Browns. I'm Paul Cadlina. He's Orlando Scandrick, former Cowboys cornerback. Thank you for listening. Whenever you do, please like and subscribe. This is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast on the Believe Entertainment Network. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.